Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They take care of our air conditioning to do a great job. And you can find out more by visiting their website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll visit with Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. By the way, uh... Uh, I guess Biden was just, just up in her territory. We'll find out about that. Uh, Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and Crystal Kenzel, our Collier County uh, cl- uh, cl- uh, head of clerks. <laughs> I, I, I should have written her tired, title down clearly. I didn't, and I apologize for that, Crystal. But anyhow, we'll look forward to speaking with uh, Crystal as well. Clerk of Courts is her, is her role. Well, it is uh, September the 22nd, and it's National uh, Voter Registration Day. So if you haven't registered to vote, you want to make sure you take care of that. We have a great Jennifer Edwards is a terrific supervisor of elections uh, here in Collier County. She does a great job. It's also the first day of fall, and it's a beautiful day as well here on the Paradise Coast. A little chance of rain, and uh, the temperature's down, humidity's down. Maybe the season is changing. We certainly hope so. On this day in 1862, President Abraham Lincoln issued the preliminary Emancipation Proclamation, which set the date for freedom of more than 3 million enslaved uh, in the United States and recast the Civil War as a fight against slavery. When the Civil War broke out in 1861, shortly after Lincoln's inauguration as America's 16th president, he maintained that the war was about restoring the Union and not about slavery. He avoided issuing his anti-slavery proclamation immediately, despite the urging of abolitionists and radical Republicans, as well as his personal belief that slavery was morally repugnant. Instead, Lincoln chose to move cautiously against what he uh, could he, he could gain wide support for the public for such a measure. In July 1862, Lincoln informed his cabinet that he would issue an Emancipation Proclamation, but that it would exempt the so-called border states, which had slaveholders but remained loyal to the Union. His cabinet persuaded him not to make the announcement until after a Union victory. Lincoln's opportunity came following the Union win at the Battle of Antietam, which we talked about. It was in 1862. On the 22nd, the president announced that the slave people in the area still in rebellion within 100 miles would be free. On January the 1st, 1863, he issued the final Emancipation Proclamation, which declared that all persons held as slaves within the rebel states are now henceforward shall be free. The proclamation also called for the recruitment and establishment of black military units among the Union forces. An estimated 180,000 African Americans went on to serve in the Army. Another 18,000 served in the Navy. After the uh, proclamation, back in the Confederacy was seen as favoring slavery, it became impossible for anti-slavery nations such as Great Britain and France, who had been friendly to the Confederacy, to get involved on behalf of the South. The proclamation also unified and strengthened Lincoln's party, the Republicans, helping them stay in power for the next two decades. The proclamation was a presidential order and not a law passed by Congress, so Lincoln then pushed for an anti-slavery amendment to the U.S. Constitution to ensure its permanence. With the passage of the 13th Amendment in 1865, slavery was eliminated throughout America, although blacks, of course, would face some struggle over the next century uh, because of uh, equal rights. Lincoln's handwritten draft of the final Emancipation Proclamation was destroyed in a Chicago fire of 1871. Today, the original version of the document is housed in the archives, the National Archives in Washington, D.C. So the story of uh, what's happening with regard to COVID-19 here on the Paradise Coast is getting thin, which is great. Uh, There were 21 new cases on Monday reported of of COVID-19 and no additional deaths. The seven-day average of new cases is at 34, even after school has started. What's it been now, about three weeks? This is all good news in my view. Well, Biden held a rally in Wisconsin. He was greeted by Trump supporters. There weren't any Biden supporters there who were chanting, you're going to lose, you're going to lose. He was overheard responding, yeah, you're probably right. 
I think he knows the story of what's going on. Even though things are dimming for him in terms of his mental uh, capacity, I think he understands that uh, the overwhelming enthusiasm for Trump's candidacy as president. Now, Trump was holding rallies in Vidalia and Swanton, Ohio, on, uh, yesterday. He said the nation was mourning the death of 87-year-old Ginsburg, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. At the same time, he pointed out that more than 200 judges have been appointed to the federal bench during his term. Some presidents never get any. They last a long time, Trump said, of su- Supreme Court appointments. We've had three. Of course, they're, uh, they serve for life. And it's uh, really upsetting the Democrats. Trump says he's considering five women for the uh, lifetime appointment to the nation's highest court. He says he plans to announce his decision Friday or Saturday. On Monday, reports emerged that he had met with the White House with one Amy Coney Barrett, who is not only a frontrunner but also a favorite of the anti-abortion rights advocates. She's also preferred by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, according to the people close to him. And her Midwestern Catholic background could help the president with Rust Belt and Great Lake voters. Asked if he would meet with all five of the candidates in person, Trump said, I don't know, I doubt it. We'll meet with a few, probably, he said. A White House spokesman declined to comment on the president's Supreme Court candidate meetings. Uh, Trump appointed Neil Gorsuch and, of course, Brett Kavanaugh. We saw that debacle in the uh, Senate in the uh, subcommittee in, in the Supreme Court. Trump got uh, to appoint Gorsuch in 2017, and McConnell refused in 2016 to hold a hearing for Obama's nominee to replace Anthony Scalia, saying it was a, uh, an election year. Scalia died 237 days before 2016 election. Ginsburg died 46 days before the 2020 election. Democrats are lining up against Trump, nominating someone, saying that duty should fall to whoever wins the presidential election on November the 3rd, whether it be Trump or one-time Vice President Joe Biden. They're also hoping to convince enough Republican senators to join the opposition to thwart Trump's nomination process. I don't think that's going to happen. In fact, uh, we've already seen that uh, they had Lindsey Graham. He's already said that, you know what, uh, we've got the, the votes in order to approve Trump's nomination. By the way, Trump is looking at Amy Cohen Barrett, also Barbara Lagoa, who is a favorite here in Florida. She was appointed to her current position, I believe, by the governor, DeSantis. And then there's a few others, uh, Amal Tharpar, Thapar, her name is, Allison Jones, rushing, are also believed to be on the list. On Monday's broadcast on Fox News Channel, Hannity, Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham stated the Senate Republicans have the votes to confirm Justice Ginsburg's replacement before the election and said that the Senate Judiciary Committee will report the nomination so there could be a vote on the floor of the Senate on the nominee prior to the election, that the Republicans will confirm Ginsburg's replacement prior to the election. Graham also vowed that nominee to replace Ginsburg on the Supreme Court will be supported by all Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee. No word about whether, uh, of course, uh, Mitt Romney will approve or, and of course, uh, Mikulski and the senator from Maine have both said they're, Collins, both said they're going to demur. They don't want to vote before uh, the election. I guess both feeling vulnerable, although Mikulski is not coming up for another couple of years in terms of her uh, re-election. The Republicans have gone on the offense, releasing an ad featuring Democrats essentially dismantling their current arguments with their own words. Not long ago, Joe Biden said the American people deserve a fully staffed court of nine. We agree. Fill the seat, he said to the National Committee woman, Ronna Barrett. Or she said that alongside a montage of Democrats arguing for the Senate to move forward with the holding hearings of Merrick Garland in 2016. The president nominates and then the Senate advises and consents or not, but they go forward with the process, former Trump challenger Hillary Clinton said in the montage. It's really a great, it's a two-minute commercial, I would imagine, uh, that might be played on national TV, but it features also House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who said in 2016 the American people were witnessing disrespect to the Constitution and calling for a fair and timely hearing. The Constitution is 100% clear, said Senator Bernie Sanders. Uh, The President of the United States has the right to nominate someone to the Justice of the Supreme Court. The Senate's function is to hold hearings and to vote, said Sanders. 
You cannot keep a seat in the Supreme Court, which all which represents all of us. You cannot keep it vacant against the Constitution. That was Patrick Leahy, a Democrat from uh, Vermont. And at the same time, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas, said the GOP was doing pretty much everything they can to avoid acknowledging the legitimacy of our democratically elected president. If you want to stop extremism in your party, you could start by showing the American people that you respect the president of the United States and the Constitution, she added. The montage ended on Biden, who famously said, we deserve a fully staffed court of nine. So look forward to see that commercial, but uh, this is the language of 2016. I guess they're pivoting on that based on the circumstances that they see. They do not want the president currently, uh, the current president, to appoint the next Supreme Court justice. And uh, we'll see how this all plays out. But it certainly is an interesting, intense time politically here in the United States. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Please do visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pinup Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4111 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, who, by the way, is building a beautiful performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's uh, Money is being raised, and uh, the th- uh, there's a new video out. You can find out more about it by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Crystal Kenzel. She is our clerk of courts here in Cuyahoga County, uh, head of director of Clerk of Courts. Anyhow, uh, we're now visiting with Kathleen Pasadomo, our uh, state senator. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. 
Good morning. Good. It is a gorgeous morning out here as I'm walking my dog in the cool breeze. It's wonderful. Uh, well, you know, I'm going to get out there in that area to play golf in just a little while. I understand the temperature's down, the humidity's down, and by the way, it's the first oh. day. It's the first day of fall. Is, it, is that what today is? Yes. Well, it's also my 41st anniversary, so I'm uh, very excited. Oh, happy <laughs> anniversary, Kathleen. That is wonderful. Uh, yeah. To a terrific guy, I must say. I really appreciate oh, your Oh, he's wonderful. Yeah. He is. I'm, a, I'm blessed. So, uh, hey, I understand that, uh, you know, the president's considering uh, one of the front runners is a, is a, is a uh, member of the judici- judiciary from Florida appointed by DeSantis. Yes. Uh, do you know her? I have. I've only met her once. Um, but, you know, as a lawyer myself, I'm very interested in, in the, you know, the whole process and appointments and uh you know as you know governor sanis did appoint her to the florida supreme court and uh, so i you know i, I researched her like every other lawyer did in florida and boy is she impressive yeah. and um she's so impressive that uh, the president uh, snatched her away from the florida supreme court after 10 months then moved her up to the federal bench she's uh you know just such a uh, she's a great mom a great jurist and she's young, uh, energetic, and I haven't heard one member of the bar say anything negative about her. Yeah, her name is Lagoa, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Barbara Lagoa. Barbara Lagoa. So the, the president has some great choices, apparently. As maybe uh, Barrett is apparently very impressive as well. I guess the other candidates yeah. are as well. So, But I understand and uh, you definitely uh, support uh, her appointment as a of Supreme course. Court justice. Well, and, you know, of course I know, but I think, you know, there's so much discussion about diversity, et cetera. And so uh, a Hispanic woman would be a, a real addition to the court. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she uh, she's very thoughtful. Um, you know, she's not partisan. Uh, she's a constitutionalist. That's what and, we need. And I, and exactly. And I think one of the comments that she made, and the case that everybody's talking about is it's not the role of the court to make the law. It's to interpret it. Yeah. And, and so, I, you know, I think that stands in her in good stead. I think so as well. I, it, it's not going to stop the Democrats from going in, uh, in a frenzy, but uh, whoever gets nominated is in for a rough ride until the nomination is complete. Until the uh, Yeah, but she can handle it. I mean, I, again, I don't know the other judges, but... Uh, when she uh, she did very well in her confirmation hearings uh, to the federal bench. I think it was overwhelming majority. Yeah, and uh, um, she speaks well. She's thoughtful. Um, it's going to be hard to find things about her that you're not going to like. Well, I'm sure they'll they'll make something up. <laughs> That's true. Uh, is this partisanship? Uh, Bickering is just horrible. Uh, thank goodness we are not in that position in Florida, and I hope it never happens. Me too. Now, hey, I wanted to get your thoughts about the uh, Governor Ron DeSantis yesterday announced a new law to counter violent protests that have rocked the state right. and country since, the, of course, George Floyd in late May. And I think it's, it sounds like a pretty good, uh, pretty good move on his part. Maybe you could fill us in on what's going on. Well, I think part of it is to um, support our... Uh, law enforcement uh, officers who are feeling very uh, beleaguered and um, are feeling that any minute now they're going to get funded. So there's a lot of measures that the governor wants to look at, and I I think we should. Um, You know, I understand also uh, some of the reforms that are being asked for, uh, and that can be part of the package. You know, when the law law enforcement... uh, does well, follows the law, and and actually is is there for public safety and does the right thing. They shouldn't have to be worried about having somebody following them around with a with a cudgel or a uh, you know some kind of weapon and and or in court. Yeah, just the the uh, the uh, law will uh, anyone found guilty of throwing objects at police and law enforcement officers would be subject to a minimum six month jail sentence. Also imposes felony penalties for protesters who block roadways, topple, topple monuments, harass people. So this really strengthens up the law. But, you know, I had a friend had lunch with me the other day, and he reported he just flew on a flight just before the uh, 
Black Lives rally or protests in downtown Naples. He said that these people were they are flying in to they you know they 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 were young professionals looking types right. of people. These are hired thugs that are coming in to uh, to do this stuff, and uh, I just wonder why we don't use the RICO. I guess it's the uh, racketeering uh, to figure out who's leading this thing and and get these people thrown in prison. Yeah, you know that that's a good question. I'm not. You know, I'm not as up on on the Rico law. I, most of the time, it's used for uh, financial crimes, but um, uh, and I'm sure that's something that'll be considered. But I, but I think the um, the philosophy behind uh, the governor's initiative, which, by the way, is is uh, uh, supported by our incoming uh, president of the Senate and incoming Speaker of the House. Great. Um, we've got to do something, and it has to be a comprehensive uh, uh, look at um, <clears throat> the violence. Uh, and um, pu- it's all about public safety, and it's all common sense. Yeah. Well, it also, if you have a law like that, sends a clear message. If you can do this kind of nonsense, you might think about some other place than Florida, because if you're going to get exactly. s- get in serious trouble if if uh, you don't. And, and I and I realize that you know actually this Rico thing was first used against the mafia, which and, and this behavior looks very similar to what's happening with regard to mafia behavior. So, anyhow, I'm just hopeful. I just appreciate the governor moving forward with this kind of a recommendation. My hope is that. Uh, the state legislature will support him and pass this very soon uh, after they arrive. I guess it'll be in January, huh? Uh, yeah, the uh, session starts um, actually in, uh, yeah, it does start in January. It's an it's a, uh, odd year. Yeah. But I, I think there that will be, you know, how we talked about 98% of the bills passed on a bipartisan 100% vote, except for ones that are hot-button issues that are important to uh, one particular party. Well, that one will be a hot button issue, but uh, which is me, which is really why it's important that we keep control of the Florida Senate and the Florida House, because otherwise, if we lose control of one of those chambers, they will never pass. And yeah. I think it's an important initiative. So when we talk yeah. about you know what I'm doing all summer, which is trying to help my Republican colleagues in the Senate get reelected. And we're even hoping to take a few more seats. How critical it is for for initiatives like this. Kathleen Pasano, just genuinely appreciate. I know you've been to Orlando. You're all over the place supporting candidates for the Senate, and I just really appreciate not only that work but also what you do to support us here in Southwest Florida. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well, Kathleen. Thank you. Uh, Kathy, she sounded a little windy because she's out walking the dog on a beautiful morning. So coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. She's up in Madison, Wisconsin. Always appreciate her. Sometimes funny and, and light commentary, but we'll see what she has to talk about today. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do 
you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. As we're trying to get everybody back to work, you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo, Boo, Mad- uh, Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, good morning and happy fall to you. Yeah, hey, it's the first day of fall, and I would imagine you're starting to see frost warnings up there in uh, Wisconsin. We are, and oh, this is the most beautiful time of the year because Wisconsin has so many hardwood trees and maples, and the trees are all starting to, to change colors, and it's it is Mother Nature at its finest. Yeah, it's, it's so beautiful. Be- I love the fall as well everywhere. And in fact, we're having wonderful weather down here. We're low, it's going to be less humidity and the temperature's in the 80s. So hopefully the, the weather's, you know, there's one day that happens down here where you say, oh, my goodness, I think the weather broke for us. And uh, hopefully sooner than later. Well, that's great. We need something positive because what they say that so many people are now suffering is disaster fatigue. We've got Mother Nature going against us with the fires and the floods. America is more polarized than we've ever been. Uh, It's kind of impossible to know if the worst is behind us or yet to come. We're constantly bombarded by negative messages. So we're all kind of developing... Now, I'm going to ask you, do you feel the disaster fatigue? Uh, well, you know, I'm a kind of a news junkie. I really enjoy politics and what's going on nationally. So, But, but it was almost like a bomb went off when, a, oh, my gosh, Justice Ginsburg died. <laughs> <laughs> on top of everything else, yeah. Yeah, I don't mean to make light of it because she was a wonderful woman no. and, and a real pioneer. But the point is, to your point, with regard to disaster, all I can think of is like it was like, uh, you know, how could this happen at at this point in what's happening with the election, with the debates, and everything that's going on? It's just unbelievable. I know, I know. It's just like one more stick of wood is thrown into the bonfire, and uh, it's. It's uh, These are crazy times. Well, let me ask you the question. Uh-huh. Do you think your life will remain, will change permanently because of this? Or do you think that your life, how you live and do things, will uh, remain the same? Hmm. Let me just give you a backup. 51% of Americans say their life has changed. You know, in regard to travel, work, how hmm. you reach out to friends. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Well, you know, our circumstances are always evolving and changing. I don't think that's anything. They're just changing more rapidly right now with a greater impact to some of the events like COVID-19 and so forth. You know, I'm, I'm of, the, of the mind that uh, you know, happiness is a state of mind, not a state of affairs. And you, you pretty much decide that you're going to be happy irrespective of the circumstances you find yourselves and just cope and deal with it. So uh, I don't see my life changing a lot. How about you? I think in some respects, I think that uh, it will. I mean, I think your state of mind is one thing. You know, you, you know, we default to happiness. Yeah. But I think that just how people go to work will change forever. 
whether or not they'll be in offices or work at home more will change. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know about what it will be like, like traveling. Will everything all of a sudden the floodgates open and we're back on planes and back on ships? You make a that, great. Great point, Boo. I mean, I, th- I think there's, well, I'll say this too, with every type of emergency like this, there's opportunity. And, I, you know, for example, we're seeing more and more kids staying at home and learning virtually. In fact, we've uh, opened schools here in Cuyahoga County, in fact, all across Florida, because the uh, Commissioner of Education uh, and you know, sent out a proclamation that all brick and mortar schools will open in Florida in August. So that's happened. But forty uh, percent of the kids aren't going to school. They want the parents prefer them to learn virtually. So will that lead to more homeschooling? Will that lead to a, in a, evolving how kids learn in the classroom? I think there's a lot of things that can change in that regard. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how things are done. You know, like I flew down to Florida about a month ago, mm-hmm. uh, and basically flying is flying. You know, you sit around, you get herded into the plane, you sit, other than you wear a mask, you know, they sanitize the plane. But, you know, it's pretty much the same. Are people eventually going to start saying, okay, I got to get out of here, I got to go somewhere, and people start flying? You know, there's not a lot other than sterilizing things that they can do to change the the experience of flying. Right. You know, the airports were pretty deserted, which was a treat, believe me. Um, so I, I don't know. Are people going to go back to going on cruise ships? Yeah. You know, it, that's, an inter- know. that's an interesting question. Uh, we've, we're going to be taking a cruise, but it's in 2000. Uh, 22. It's been a uh, jazz cruise that we enjoy each year. We've done it about six or seven years in a row, but they they canceled it this year be, to put it off for another year. So, did you hear about the woman that had her apparently two year old son or daughter? I think it's two or three year old do- son or daughter who refused to put on a mask and they got they got thrown off the airplane. And they should. Yeah. So I I because you know they give you. A lot of heads up, like when you buy your ticket, right. I went on United, and they say, do you agree to wear a mask in the airport when you're on the plane? Mm-hmm. And then they say, if you don't wear it, we have the right to do this. So you know that you're going to pay a consequence yeah. if you don't wear a mask. Uh, so if you don't want to wear a mask, don't get on a plane. Yeah, so you know, Boo, I have, uh, I understand that uh, there's actually more bacteria on us and in us than there are cells in our body, and that uh, our immune systems are constantly fighting off stuff that's happening, including the coronavirus. Now, my point is only this: Will we end up wearing masks and having not shaking hands, and will we, to your point, continue to just uh, have those types of changes in our life because we're so obsessed? with death and dying and health and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think it will alter some people. But, you know, there's so much inconsistency in what's going on, Bob. Like here, this couple or the mother and the son were thrown off a plane because they don't wear masks. People are getting thrown out of stores because they won't wear a mask. I went to uh, a music thing that was on the square, right in front of where we live. It was outside, I'll tell you that. Um... I heard the music from my condo. I walked over there. I bet there were 150 people there. Now, it was outside. Not one person had a mask on. Uh huh. Now, does that mean that if you're outside, you don't wear a mask? Nobody was social distancing. Uh, well, how about, these, ours, how about these Trump rallies? He is in two places in Wisconsin with 17, 20, 20, 30,000. No, well, there were people wearing masks, but not all of them, and most of them weren't, I would suggest. But uh, nevertheless, they were there too. So, so I think, you know, ultimately, uh, this, I believe uh, we have the right to make our own decisions about our own health and, and how we want to value the lives of others. And, and so we should be able to make the decision whether to wear or mask. My opinion, I realize I'm in a minority, but uh, uh, it's not the state's right to take these types of liberties away from individuals, and uh, it's just not American. No, but I guess my point is there's so many inconsistencies from state to state, county to county, what you can do. I'm, I happen to be living right now in a state that is very, and especially a county, good God, is like communist Cuba, um, <laughs> on how locked down it is. Yeah. 
and uh, then you have the University of Wisconsin, which is very liberal, that is starting football season yeah. on October 27th. So you don't think the state and the county and the city is furious at Wisconsin for opening? Yeah, it's an unbelievable. Saying that the kids are going to affect. So, again, do you wear a mask outside? Don't you? You know, you wear it indoors. It, it's... There's every rule. It seems like every doctor you hear has got a different spin on it. Yeah, it's you know it's well you know it's all very confusing. It is confusing, and, and you know I'm of the mind that you know one of the ways that we eliminate waste in our bodies is through our mouth. You know, in our breathing process. So you put a mask on and you just trap that stuff <laughs> and breathe in your own waste. I, I just uh, to be I, I don't th- see that I haven't seen any clear proof that masks actually prevent passing uh, germs, especially coronavirus. For for what it's worth, uh, Boo Boo, I, I, well, I do want to mention this uh, that uh, if you mentioned uh, events happening. Well, at Seed to Table on uh, the 29th, that's Tuesday night, uh, there is going to, of course, going to the, the debate between Biden and Trump. Well, they're having an event, a pre-debate Trump party happy hour <laughs> at Seed to Table. So uh, there's some folks that will be having a good time. I just want to mention that. Uh, you should, uh, If you'd like to find out more about it, uh, what, what, what can you do? I don't know. You, you can call What's a number. What's the date? That's on the 29th, the, the debate between... Uh, Biden Trump. Yeah, that's coming up. Do you think there's going to be a discussion around the Supreme Court appointment? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Boo, wish we had more it's time. Crazy, I ju- crazy I just, times we live in. They are. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. All right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You listen to the Bob Harton Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarton.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarton at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, I want to do a little shout-out to Lulu B's Diner, who supports uh, St. Matthew's House. They do a great job. And now they're serving great breakfast and lunch. they got some specials going. You can ask about them. Just go to Lulu B's Diner at the Green Tree Shopping Center. Uh, Jerry and her and her staff do a terrific job with breakfast and lunch at Lulu B's Diner. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Crystal Kenzel. She is our clerk of courts here in Cuyahoga County. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and we're going to get over 100% of uh, 
our debt's going to be over 100% of GDP next year. So that's a problem. That is a big problem indeed. Well, and I understand you wrote a piece about uh, migration, people leaving the cities in order to come to beautiful places like here in the Paradise Coast. <laughs> Um, yes, uh, made possible by our in, in information revolution and, and private sector internet and private sector internet providers. It's it's interesting. If you ever saw the movie The Hunt for Red October, yes, which is a Tom Clancy book. It's a great and movie and it's a great book. One of the great things is that they're trying to chase down the Red October because they know he's going to defect to the U.S. and they the the, the sub captain, submarine captain that's chasing Red October, which is also a submarine, is, is getting pissed because he keeps missing with his torpedoes. So he launches one that's instantly armed. And so it's basically just a wild torpedo out in the water. Yeah. And it ultimately turns around and blows his ship up. And the last line from his subordinate is, you arrogant ass, you've killed us. Um, <laughs> Democrats have done that. They have self-torpedoed all across the country. Um, they force people to stay at home all the time, and people realize with the power and the speed of our Internet connections, they can do that. They can work from home. They can shop from home. You know, it's, it's just been – they kind of – Known it in the back of their heads, but to have a full-on, full-time test of the system yeah. and have it work now for six months, people are going, why am I in high-tax, high-regulation, high-crime New York City or Portland or Minneapolis? I could be anywhere and do my job. Well, you know, and the facts are backing that up because people are migrating like crazy from California to Texas, from uh, f from. Uh, Connecticut saw, and Massachusetts. I saw some uh, rental truck numbers. If you wanted to rent a truck from L.A. to, I mean, from Phoenix to L.A., it was five hundred bucks. Yeah. Basically, they're paying you to drive it back to L.A. If you want to go from <laughs> L.A. to Phoenix, it's five thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because everyone's going that direction. Um, I, I heck, when I when I cleared out my house in Maryland to rent it. I wanted to rent a car and drive back, you know, an SUV with some stuff in it. Yeah. I ended up shipping the stuff and flying back because the rental car was like forty to thirty dollars a day around town. If I drove it to Fort Myers Airport, it was going to be like an eighteen hundred dollar yeah, rental yeah. fee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, but the, the reason they're able to do this is they're being forced to do this. Hmm. Against their will, in most instances, most people at this point are going, okay, we know this is a scam. We see people, the places that have opened are getting rid of the disease faster than the places that haven't. Um, and we, 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 we were already tired of the taxes. We were already tired of the regulations. We are already tired of you know, the riots in these cities that, that, that are daintily called protests, where Democrats are burning cities and looting and, and and showing up at people's houses and yelling at them and yelling at random diners on the street for no reason except that they're white. Um, and they're saying, we've just, six months now, yeah. we've been at, stuck at home, working, completely com connected, completely fine. What the hell are we doing in New York City? I could be in New Hampshire. Well, it's, it, it's, it's, it's not only just the cities, it's the states, too, because blue states have suffered yeah. the worst unemployment in the wake of the pandemic. Uh, and that's what I said in the piece. Is it's not just cities. I mean, it's, it's anywhere that's been controlled for decades by Democrats. Right. That's California. That's New York State. Um, uh, you know, uh, the, the decline since Mayor Rudy Giuliani, Republican in New York, is just unbelievably rapid, especially under the communist mayor now, de Blasio. But it's just everyone was, for, you know, everyone was forced to stay home, and then they realized, hey, I can't stay home. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's that's the that's the, uh, the the theme that we were talking about earlier in the show is the fact that while wow, this crisis has created a lot of problems, it's created a, a lot of opportunities. And to your point, I think it's going to change how people think about their work. It's going to think about education, for example, public education. It can have an impact, a huge impact on the, how oh, we live our lives. We've we've shaken the etch a sketch for sure. I, I I was talking before I, right before I left Maryland. I heard about somebody's son who who was just graduating from college with a commercial real estate degree, and I didn't <laughs> say it of course, but I thought to myself, you might as well have 
major, you know, dinosaur husbandry. Or English uh, literature, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, <laughs> you know, it's, you, you majored in something that's dying, even as we speak. Um, you, you know, uh, of course, there's always going to be some core, by core I mean, there are some jobs that you have to go to an office to do. Yeah. That's just, there, I mean, there is. But anything that can even partially be done remotely is now going to be done remotely because the employees are going to insist upon it. I mean, why get in a car and drive an hour each way? Right. To, you know, when you, when you, you can tell a, you can do Zoom meetings and, and, and Microsoft team meetings and, you know, all of these things. Um, it looks like the Muppet Show from the 70s. Remember the... <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, Seton, there's a, there are a lot of unintended consequences when that, those types of things happen, like the sense of team, sense of obligation, sense of... Uh, and, and you'll have to take a look at also the metrics of performance, too, and how that's going to play out. If, uh, well, they're going to have to figure out how to track... Um, you know, I have, I have a friend who's worked at home for several years, and they have some thing where when she logs onto her computer, they, they start tracking how long she's logged on her computer. That's obviously not very effective because you could log on your computer and then go sit in front of the television. Right. Um, but, but, yeah, it's, but ultimately, at the end of the day, do you get your work done? They don't have to babysit you. Right. If you're, if you're working at home and actually working at home and delivering on the projects they give you and the assignments they give you, they're going to know that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not a matter of tracking how much time they're spending doing things. It's, it's a matter of we've given you X, Y, and Z projects. Did you deliver? Yeah. And if you did, well, then you're a good remote employee and you'll prosper. And the ones who sit in front of their TVs all day will not prosper. And I'll point out also that if you're sitting in an office, you can still be playing around on your computer. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, please, as, as government bureaucrats prove every day of, of our lives. Absolutely. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. You can find this column that he wrote on his website, lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with our clerk of courts here in uh, Collier County. It's Crystal Kenzel. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. With all the threats to faith, family, and freedom, Christian Television Network, the Faith Center Fort Myers, and Florida Pastors Network invite you to Healing Our Nation Tuesday, September 22nd at 7 o'clock p.m. for a free panel discussion on engaging and impacting culture with a biblical worldview. Distinguished national guest Bishop E.W. Jackson, founder of Stand Foundation, staying true to America's national destiny. John Stenberger, founder of Florida Family Policy Council and called to vote, Along with historian and best-selling author, Dr. William Federer want to equip you to effectively respond to the moral and social issues impacting our community. Join us live on television September 22nd at 7 o'clock p.m. on CTN Southwest Florida or live streaming at ctntelevision.com or in person at the Faith Center. Details, ctntelevision.com. That's ctntelevision.com. Or call 239-543-7200. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. I proudly serve as board chairman for 15 years and very proud of what we've accomplished. You can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Crystal Kenzel. She is our Collier County Clerk of Courts. I, title's actually longer than that, Crystal. I apologize, but thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Crystal. So uh, for our listeners that may not be familiar with your role and position, it's an elected position. Congratulations, by the way, on being elected. Thank you. Uh, What exactly uh, do you do? Oh, lots of things. But um, we have about, uh, uh, they say, about 9,000 duties under the statute. But the clerk of courts and the last part of that is comptroller for Collier County. We wear primarily three hats. We're the keeper of all of your official records, Mm -hmm. which include your deeds, mortgages, marriages. Um, The clerk's office has those dating back to 1923 and some documents before that, but when Collier was incorporated. Mm -hmm. We're also the keeper of all the court information, collection of fines, and fees. We pull the jury for the courts. Um, We do domestic violence injunction preparation for the judges. We keep all of the court records, Mm. and those are all parts of our responsibility. And then the comptroller role, which is as board to the county commissioners, elected separately by the the citizens. We're the watchdog over the county's functions. They do the policy. They decide to incur debt, for example. We monitor that. We make the payments. We do all the financial work. We prepare the county's financial statements. And as you know, going into 2021 in October, we'll be at a $2 billion budget countywide. So it's a large responsibility. We pay all the bills for Collier County, payroll, um, we do the investment of your county funds. You can find all that information on our website, callyourclerk.com. So we have a variety of roles, yeah. and uh, we're busy. Yeah, it sounds like you are. So, uh, it's, by the way, I understand that uh, now we're going to start to have jury trials in Collier County. That's for the first time in about seven months. Right. We, they were postponed, obviously, due to COVID um, for the safety and security. Uh, we will hold our first, uh, barring any unforeseen circumstance, we are scheduled and have sent out jury summons for our first recurring uh, jury trial October 6th. Well, that's good to so get we're it. we're getting re- back in full business. Yeah. We've been in business, but mostly remote uh, hearings things that did not require us to pull a lot of people into the buildings, um, but jury trials now, um, we, we need to get back on track. So, so that, that means that some people have been in a holding tank or just yeah, trials have just been delayed until this point? Yes. Wow, yes. my goodness. Yes. So we, we do have a backlog of, a, a, you know, um, trials to hold. Yeah. Um, they've been prepping for them. As I said, you know, you have a lot of attorney meetings and preparation with the judges and uh, coordination efforts. Those have been happening remotely and through uh, Zoom and and some other facilitating uh, processes, but when it gets down to the jury and the actual trial, we're real glad to get back uh, to business. Well, I'm sure the people that are looking for justice are, are pleased as well. So, yeah. uh, Crystal, I understand some great news. I, I saw the announcement that uh, our credit rating is superb. Yes, it is, um, and that's why we thought it best. You know, in this time of COVID and revenues are obviously depleted and unemployment was higher and things going on in the state with our tourism, housing, you know, so many issues. And and we wanted people to hear some positive news. Um, We are still healthy financially and fiscally in Collier County. We think we do a great job watching the taxpayers' money. We work very closely with the county budget office, the commissioners, making sure that everything runs smoothly. And um, we did uh, just get a um, a favorable rating by Fitch. Um, You know, with COVID, especially on the tourism, there was a watch on the tourism uh, lending, and they've removed that. It's gone to stable now from any negative watch. And they review a lot of factors like those revenues, um, what are our policies, how conservative are we, what are our reserves. Mm -hmm. And they ask all of those questions about our business in Collier County, and it's reflected in the removal of that and moving us to a stable. We're, We're actually very highly rated, both Fitch and Moody's. Um, we have some uh, an S&P AAA, a Fitch AAA, water and sewer bonds are AAA in Collier County. 
and um, That's it, great it's news. great news for the citizens uh, that that we are healthy even in the face of COVID. No, that is is indeed terrific news. You just think about New York City and some of these other places that where they're looking for a federal bailout for their circumstances. Right. So, exactly. looking looking ahead, and I realize the decisions about uh, spending the money is up to the the commissioners. But uh, what's your prognostication? Are things going to with? I'm sure we've seen a reduction in revenue, although most of the revenue I imagine comes in from uh, real estate taxes, but what's your prognosis going forward? Well, fortunately, um, we obviously in April, uh, we were a bit fearful. Um, April was our worst month, um, revenues and statewide. Um, the state is facing, um, you know, tremendous losses in tourism, gas tax, sales tax, all of those revenue streams have been impacted, but our forecast is healthy. Um, as a matter of fact, we're continuing to do some building. Um, we are um, today on the agenda. There's a $118 million request to, for bonding, additional bonding and debt for some significant projects. I know the taxpayer stormwater has been a big issue in our community. We're going to fund that with this $818 million. I think the Board of County Commissioners makes that decision, but right. we've prepped it up to there. Um, we also have some um, money in that $118 million to renovate some of the park, the aquatic facilities and infrastructure that might have not been up to par. So um, we're moving forward on projects in the county. Uh, I always am concerned about debt, but the comforting news is Collier's one of the very few. We actually have a cap on uh, debt, and it can't exceed 13% of bondable revenues. Yeah. Now, that's not a law. It's not a state requirement. It is something that Collier County has put in place to remain very conservative in our debt issuance. That's great. So, Krista, I'll, yeah. I'll ask, ask you if I could about the, we have the sports park. And uh, as I understand it, there's some revenue bonds that were issued, maybe revenue bonds, I'm not certain. But the point is, uh, will this park actually re generate uh, revenue? Well, it'll generate revenue um, now. Most of our parks are not self-sustaining, mm -hmm. so they, they get uh, revenue from the general fund to help in operational matters. Mm -hmm. But um, part of the $118 million is a refinance, actually, of the initial um, paper that we took out for the sports park. Um, it was originally estimated about $65 million. I think it's running about $150 million if they go with the field house. Now they're looking at whether that field house should also be a hurricane structure, shelter. Um, so all those things are still in development. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it will generate uh, people coming to Collier County. They're looking for that to increase the tourism uh, tax revenue and other revenues that will support at least the debt service payments. Well, this is just a very encouraging conversation, Krista, I must admit. Hey, I'm wondering, are you going to be going to the Republican Woman of Southwest Florida Federated, the event uh, that's going to be happening, I guess it's uh, tomorrow night, for the Constitutional uh, Conservative Award Night? Yes, I'm actually going to be there. Well, yeah. I am too. I'm hopeful that we'll have an opportunity to meet Crystal. I haven't had the pleasure. Good. But I do want to mention that our own Andrew J uh, Joppa, who has been a guest on the show for years every week, has been nominated as that constitutional conservative of the year. So uh, yes. we'll be honoring Andrew. Uh, I'm a member of that organization with the women's groups here in Collier. I, I try to stay very active in, in, um, in our local um, organization. So I'm signed up to go outstanding <laughs> well crystal uh give us your website again it's callyourclerk.com very simple all the investment information is on there um what we do with your taxpayer money the expenditures so we think uh, we try to put a lot of information so that we're very transparent to the taxpayers crystal i just genuinely appreciate your com commentary Thanks. here on the show thank Anytime, you Bob, okay we really appreciate the opportunity to get our message out of what is going on in Collier, and I appreciate the opportunity. My pleasure, indeed. Thank you, Crystal. And see you uh, tomorrow night. Uh, and again, if you'd like tickets for this event uh, to acknowledge Andrew and to meet Andrew and to meet Crystal and meet me, uh, let's see where you can go. I think there's a website here, if I can find it. Uh, there's a, I'm looking at a place to sign up, but you can go to rw. SFF, rwsff.org, and just check the events. Uh, by the way, there's also a, a uh, on the 24th, there's going to be a debate between the, the uh, 
candidates for District 19 U.S. Uh, Congress. Uh, that is uh, Byron Donalds, who's going to be a guest on the show tomorrow. And, uh, uh, and I've forgotten her name, but uh, Banye is her last name. Anyhow, there will be an actual debate. It's not a forum. They're going to be debating, so it should be very interesting. It's going to be uh, – you can sign up and go to the event. There's only 100 tickets, but you can also watch it streamed uh, live uh, as well. That's a wrap on today's show. Thank you so much for joining us. Tomorrow we'll visit Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll visit Byron Donalds, candidate for Congress in District 19. We'll also visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor in the University of Houston Space Architecture, author of several of books. And uh, I hope you'll join us tomorrow. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>